everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in the far reaches of space. Today, okay. we are talking... What are we talking? The Trial, the trial of the Chicago, of the Chicago 7. Seven. <laughs> Objection. That's Overruled. Right. Uh, uh, go ahead, Adam. Take it away. The latest from Aaron Sorkin. Uh... The uh, the screen the 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 renowned screenwriter and relatively late to the game director, um, Trial of the Chicago Seven is an ensemble drama featuring lots of people and lots of talking. That's right, almost as much talking as people. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny we this is the second movie in a short span of time um, that we are reviewing. That's that's from a longtime writer relatively recent director right because we just did i'm thinking of ending things by charlie kaufman that's right uh, i think two episodes back yeah except charlie kaufman's like more recent live action film was like over a decade ago (laughs) right right well yeah it's it's i'm sort of i'm sort of measuring time in movies as opposed to years totally that's right Um, i I think the same way i believe this is the second um film aaron sorkin has directed is that right that's right. Yeah. Okay. The first one being Molly's Game. That's right. Which we actually ago. reviewed on this podcast, which tells you how recent it is because yeah. because we haven't been doing this all that long. Podcast ain't, ain't that old. Nope. Um, all right. So you want to read the synopsis, Adam? Yeah, sure thing. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. That's right. The Chicago seven. So, um, riveting as a Wikipedia entry, (laughs) that that description. Yes. Well, I mean, it's, you know, this is a historical, uh, historical, uh, I was going to say historical fiction. It's not really historical fiction. It's historical, uh, drama. Right. Um, Right. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the first thing we normally talk about is expectations. Um, I'll go first. I, I really, uh, I really generally love Aaron Sorkin. Um, I definitely, I really liked Molly's game. If I recall, I think I liked it even more than you did. That's um, right. uh, and, and so I was looking forward to this based on both that and the fact that I, I really wasn't familiar with this history. I'm, I'm, I'm really shamefully not informed on even fairly recent history, which this is. Right. Um, so movies like this are kind of, I mean, you know, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit, but often the way I learn about things like this is through movies. And so mm-hmm. I think I was looking forward to learning about, you know, whatever this was like the Chicago seven. I, you know, when I, when I heard of the movie, I was like, I don't even know what that is. So I look forward to learning what that is. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say though, is that from the trailer, I did watch the trailer for this. It looked a little cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I got this weird vibe from it, like, you know, this being only the second film that he's directed. I got a little concerned from the trailer because I think they have like the people chanting and I think they have this very sort of over the top, you know, music playing or something like that. And I I, I, I think I, I had a little bit of nervousness coming in that this was going to be like Aaron Sorkin sort of finding his voice as a director and that voice being sort of just a little, you know, on the nose, mm-hmm. kind of almost like a throwback to sort of 
the the what I consider to be the you know less great parts of a director like Steven Spielberg, who I think tends to do amazing work, but then and I think you and I have talked about this. He he sometimes sort of gets a little ham fisted in his endings, you know, where you right. have where you'll have like the people doing the slow claps, or you'll just have like the the overly inspirational, like overreaching for for being inspirational. Um, right. With you know masses massive crowds and people like you know rising up and and um, and things being sort of tied up in a nice little bow. Um, I definitely got that vibe from the trailer. So that was the one thing that I was nervous about was that it was going to be sort of maybe over simplistic or over, um, sentim- overly sentimental, like to the point of being maudlin. Um, mm-hmm. that was a concern I had, but I otherwise was, was very much looking forward to it both for, uh, you know, sort of a witty, intelligent, fast paced, like never boring sort of experience that I come to expect from Aaron Sorkin. And also just, uh, like I said, learning about this historical event. What about you? What were your expectations? So I also, uh, just generally like stuff by Aaron Sorkin. Um, and so, and I mean, as far as expectations go, it was a, you know, a movie by a writer that I quite like, about a subject that, you know, to similar to you, I didn't know much at all about the Chicago seven and about the, uh, the riots at the 1968 DNC convention. Okay. That um, makes me feel less bad because you're far more knowledgeable <laughs> of things like that than I am. So if you didn't I mean, know, you know, I mean, if you say generically, there was a riot in mm-hmm. 1968 at the DNC, I'm like, okay, sure. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Vietnam. It's Nixon. Like, yeah, that makes sense. But I didn't know anything about the specifics the specific of this. Specific event, right? right. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I mean. So at any rate, like, suffice to say, I, I could rattle off all the things I don't know, right? <laughs> all the things I didn't know, mm-hmm. um, which would be a long list. Um, obviously, this is coming out. Uh, I don't think I knew about the existence of this movie probably until after the pandemic started. And so like, I think the entire time I've known about the existence of this film, it has been sort of like in my mind as like this sort of oasis Mm -hmm. in the middle of, Mm -hmm. you know, this whole like thing. And so I think in that regard, I was also quite looking forward to just just make it to October. We get to see the trial of the Chicago I get to watch the new (laughs) Sorkin movie. Um, I think that the, the feeling I have, which is based on a small sample size of Aaron Sorkin directed movies and a larger sample size of non Aaron Sorkin directed, but Aaron Sorkin scripted movies is like, I worry about him when he's like completely off the leash and Mm -hmm. like not full creative control. Yeah. Frankly, like my, my sense with Sorkin is that sometimes his characters are so eloquent and sharp and witty Uh, But at the same time, like he doesn't know what he's trying to say, Mm. like and that sometimes like Like his like he's too focused on making them all intelligent and and express their ideas clearly. It's like he's all the, the works ideas are right. It's like it's all trees, but no forest kind of thing. Mm, mm. Right. Um, cause I and, you know, I think about there's a, a behind the scenes clip in uh, for the social network where like Fincher and Sorkin are going through like the script line by line mm-hmm. and sort of like talking about the meaning behind why people feel certain ways in certain scenes. 
And I remember, frankly, like Fincher in certain moments, like having almost a better sense of what the scene was actually about Mm -hmm. than Sorkin did. Right. And Sorkin honestly, like sort of leaning back and said, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is kind (laughs) of what it's about. Right now. And I don't know if that's Sorkin just being sort of deferential to a master director or what have you. Right. But it's sort of like I remember thinking, like, wow, the social network really has a sharp point of view. Steve Jobs really has a sharp point of view. Money Mm -hmm. Ball has a really sharp point of view. And sometimes like when I would watch, you know, uh, Sports Night or certainly like Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip or the newsroom, I'm like, what's this about? Like, mm. what are we, what's the point that we're making here? But th- right? those weren't writ- those weren't directed by Sorkin, were they? No. But, they but were you're often, just saying they were more, he was more like the lead creative, like. Yeah, it's not like they were directed by David Fincher. They were directed by basically his creative partner for the most right, part. Right, right. His, his television creative partner, right? Yeah, whereas and Fincher s- or, or um, I'm blanking on. Bennett, who directed Steve Bennett Jobs? Miller. Or um, Danny Boyle, right? Danny right? Boyle. They're 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 sort of like their own sort of singular artistic voices, right? So so you're right. You're saying they sort of maybe balance him out better in those yeah. particular. Yeah, and I mean, and I and I could have continued with like Molly's Game. I think I had sort of a similar sort of concern with that movie. It's like I'm not sure what we're meant to think of Molly. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what we're meant to think of like this case. Um, and so I think that was my biggest reservation going in is like, it's another Aaron Sorkin directed, Aaron Sorkin written screenplay. I'm sure the scenes will independently be delightful. I'm sure the characters will be charismatic and well acted. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm sort of like, my biggest concern is, is this going to be like about something or, (laughs) or is it going to just be like a bunch of great scenes? And then I don't really know what we're meant to think at the end. Right. Right. Um, and so that was my, like, I was very excited for it, but that was my, that was my reservation going in. All right. Yeah. I get what you're, I get, definitely get where you're coming from. What was your, what was your first impression having seen the movie? Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I do feel, I, I felt the sort of, um, cheap or like manipulated, mm. uh, unearned, feeling that I feel like you were describing where it's like, you're the sort of going for like that the movie would, would yeah, have like you're sort of going for big inspiration here at the end. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I like feel like I tracked how you, how you got to that feeling. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I liked it. I, I think it's a movie that I will, um, that I will think about that I will quote, um, it has some great performances in it, but I don't know that it quite coheres into the compelling whole that some of his other scripted work does. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to spoil it cause I, we try not to spoil a movie in the you know first half of the episode. Um, but I will say without really spoiling what happens that, the ending of the movie, like the very ending mm-hmm. was very, in my opinion, o- overly sentimental and maudlin. It, all, all the things I was concerned the movie would be. Yeah. But, but for me, it was really isolated. Like the ending was sort of uniquely that way. And the rest of the movie wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was definitely, I definitely found the ending to be underwhelming 
um, in fact, kind of annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, like it felt sort of like it was uh, almost like a, the ending of a different movie. Um, so that was definitely a gripe that I had. But I would say other than the ending, I really pretty much loved everything else about this movie. I think, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't familiar with these events. Um, it was really fascinating to me to learn about. Um, it was really kind of shocking to learn some of it. I mean, I don't know. That sounds naive to say it's shocking, right? Uh, knowing all of the thing, all of the terrible things that have happened in this country. But I did find myself after having seen the movie Googling, you know, yeah. like some of the details in the film. Like, is is that really true? You know, like, did that really right. happen? And, and more often than not, the answer was, yeah, it, it did happen, you know, right. or the movie might have sort of moved around some of the details, you know, sort of rearranged the furniture of the story. But it, it, that right. is the story, you know, and um, and so I, I mean, I think I loved the movie for its depiction of what happened in such a compelling way without it, it seems for the most part Sorkin resisted the urge to like embellish or just straight up change things, you know, and, and from, from, from what I've read, it does seem like he did take some liberties, you know, what can you mm-hmm. expect? Right. But it seems like the liberties he took were not really, um, from, from, from what I understand. And I, and I admitted moments ago, I knew nothing about this before this movie. So it's not like I'm an expert now. I've right. read, I've read the equivalent of like, you know, Vox articles. I haven't like read books right. about it. Right. Um, right. but, but from what I understand, it seems like the liberties he took, didn't really change, didn't significantly alter, you know, you know, the, the main points of what happened in this historical event, which, which I think is different from a lot of historical dramas I've seen where, you know, you see it and then you go back and, and it's like, they turned a person who was totally normal into a villain or they turned, you know, just because a movie needs a villain or like they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll make major changes like that. Um, it seems like this movie didn't do that. And, um, and, like I said, I think aside from the ending, I really didn't find most of the movie to be overly sentimental or cheesy or anything like that. I found it to be um, really engaging, like I said, but also pretty thought provoking. I think, um, you know, this movie gives voice to very different perspectives on kind of kind of like every kind of perspective, you know, including yeah. those those, you know, those who were obviously protesting the war. But even amongst that group, there were different views on like the right way to oppose the war and the right way to represent that viewpoint. And then right. also even even, you know, sympathetic characters who 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 looked down on the entire group of people who were protesting the war. Right. Um, right. And um, I know I, th- I think that sort of goes into what you were saying earlier about a thing that Sorkin can do where he can kind of get lost, you know, lose the forest for the trees, um, where, where he's just focused on like representing these different viewpoints. But from my perspective in the, in the, in the case of this movie, I think I view that as a strength, like the fact that the movie is able to adopt the perspective of, of so many different characters Mm -hmm. and, and like respectfully, you know, like kind of almost like give you like the best of everyone in a sense, Mm -hmm. um, and the worst to a degree, um, yep. but just like a realistic portrayal, a realistic, but sort of sharpened 
portrayal, you know, because, because it's Aaron Sorkin. So every character right. is very articulate and, and, and makes, you know, very witty, uh, no remarks at just the right uh, time. In an Aaron right. Sorkin script. Right. right. No, they, they're, they're always kind of at the top of their game, but I like that. I think it's sort of, um, I mean, I think it's like a, an efficient way to learn about something that's true. Right. Right. Um, because it's sort of like, okay, here's distilled Abby Hoffman, right? This is exactly sort of like what you need to know about Abby Hoffman in the form of very intelligent, very witty commentary mm-hmm. sprinkled throughout the movie. Same with like Tom Hayden, same with every character. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, my, my overall takeaway was like, I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. It just left a bad taste in my mouth because the ending, I just was like, what were you doing, man? Uh, it's just, you just went overboard with that ending, but you know, that's forgivable in my book. Um, Yep. So it's. uh, And also, I mean, the trial did end a particular way. uh You know what I mean? uh It's not like he invented the, like what the verdict was or like what the, what the characters do at the end of the trial. Well, it's like. I, I would say there are flourishes at the end that can't, unless the whole thing was filmed, which I don't believe it was, uh, I don't believe there's any evidence for things having wrapped up in exactly the way they do in the movie. But, right. No, I, I, I think it's exact. I, I think you and I are actually agreeing. It's like the flourishes, the way we are meant to emotionally feel as indicated by the directorial choices, mm-hmm. right. Are the thing that strike me as, maybe less satisfying. Right. Yeah. Obviously yeah. the events themselves, like I don't, I think he would have probably been, uh, off the mark if he tried to sort of adjust the actual events that occurred. <laughs> right, right. Right. Uh, if he pulled like a Quentin Tarantino and just rewrote yeah, history. Right, right. Right. Yeah. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been daring. a strange move. Um, so yeah. Okay. So overall I, I really loved it aside from the ending. It sounds like you, Really liked it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's move on then to themes. So um, this is obviously like, as we've already addressed, a historical drama. I think, I mean, I think the main theme here is um, how to put it succinctly. I mean, I I think the main focus of the movie is uh, it kind of comes in, uh, in the form of a bit of dialogue that's repeated a few times where, um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, uh, Abby Hoffman says, this is a political trial and -hmm. various other characters in the movie sort of disagree with him, Mm -hmm. at least in the first half of the movie on Mm -hmm. the, on the, I, you know, on the basis, I think their defense lawyer says like, there's no such thing as a political trial. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the film very much takes the position, (laughs) which, from what I understand, any rational person would have to agree with um, that it, it clearly is a, phys- a, a political trial, and that um, what that what that really is is just a manifestation of um, you know the 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 agents that are in power using the tools available to preserve their power, and I yep. think the film the film is is shining a light on that and showing like this is what this is, you know, make Mm -hmm. no mistake. Um, this trial was about, uh, using the justice system as a tool to Mm -hmm. basically exert the will of the people in power. 
and 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 vilify the opposition, right? R- right. That that's that's how this was used, and and I I, I mean I don't think the movie spells. It's not in the text of the movie, but it, the obvious implication is this is just what power. You know, this is what um, those in power do. This is what we should expect from them, right? Right. And I think the flip side is the movie is, is to me it seems um, very pro like the revolutionary spirit very much in favor of, you know, the way to balance that the way to actually hold these powerful entities accountable is to basically disobey them. Right. Is to stand up, break the rules, um, you know, be, don't be afraid of them. Um, Mm -hmm. sort of stand up for what you believe. Right. And, uh, so well and like under if you understand that it is a political trial mm-hmm. then you understand that where the trial is actually being tried is the court of public opinion and mm-hmm. public sentiment mm-hmm. right like sure there's what the judge is going to render the verdict the judge is going to render at the end but really you are playing to the audience the cameras the public and mm-hmm. that is ultimately who you are trying to persuade of the rightness of your argument much, you know, that is less important than the 12 jurors like sitting over to the side of the courtroom. Right. 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 And it's sort of like if you if you understand that that is the game that you are playing. Right. You can plan accordingly. And that's like one of the fundamental differences between like Hoffman and um, the Eddie Redmayne character, uh, Tom Hayden. Hayden. Right. Yeah. Is like they they are just they're playing different games. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it's funny, I, this is a bit of a digression from our, you know, usual episode agenda, but, um, it reminds me, this, this conversation is reminding me of a debate that you and I had years ago. I don't know if you even remember it, but do you remember you and me talking about like, what is the law? <laughs> Does this ring I a do, bell for you at all? I, I do remember that being the topic. I do not remember what my position was. <laughs> I think, I I mean, I don't know that it was probably one of those things where we were teenagers and so neither of us was being particularly coherent. But um, in my mind, in that conversation, the point I was trying to make was, I think, you know, it probably came up because we were talking about some archaic laws that aren't really enforced. Mm -hmm. And I think I made, I think I was observing something to the effect of like, if a thing is written in a book, but no, Mm -hmm. you know, no, no enforcement entity is is actually making people follow it then it's kind of not the law you know Mm -hmm. like it sort of is legal um and i think you were taking objection to that you're like no the law is what's written down regardless of whether it's enforced or not Um, right and so we just got into i I think but looking back it was just a semantic probably disagreement right? right but i think this movie is a great um i think this movie is a great uh sort of medium for for visiting that question because you know there is there are those in the cast who early in the story have this viewpoint that you know these are the laws and this is what is allowed and so we will work within that framework and we will defend ourselves right and as the story progresses i think those characters have to come to grips with the fact that these these things that we hold as the law are 
we're at the mercy of the people in power to actually apply them in a fair way. And they're not doing that. They clearly have an agenda. They clearly right. have an intention of, of an outcome that they want. And so, you know, between like Hayden is an example. Also their, their, their lawyer in the beginning is sort of like trying to be a normal lawyer, right. And make mm-hmm. arguments and, and he becomes increasingly sort of um, frustrated and, and, and realizes that, oh, me trying to play by the rules is not working because the people who enforce the rules are not on my side. Like they're against me. Right. Right. It's very Kafkaesque in that way, actually. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Like the rule, like the rules and the law and the way a courtroom is supposed to operate, like are sort of unhelpful concepts. Right. Yeah. Because you believe that the rules are going to sort of be enforced a particular way. And the court makes very clear, like, no, they, yeah. like they're yeah. not going to be yep. right. And they're, there's they're nothing going you to can be, do about it. They are going to be when it's convenient for us and they're not right. going to be when it's convenient for you. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as we, as we talk about this, I realize this is one of those things that I think is probably so obvious to people who, you know, in groups or who as individuals have historically been on the losing side of this kind of, of, of lack of fairness. Right. Right. There are people, whether it's, you know, racial minorities, you know, religious minorities, like there are people in this country and in the world who just know this deep within their bones because it's like, I've never, you know, you all have this thing that you call the law that you think right. that you think sort of protects us all. But like I have seen for myself, mm-hmm. it is not applied fairly. And people who look like me or sound like me or believe the things that I believe, they're always on the losing side. You know, maybe yeah. there's occasional, you know, sort of little glimmers of hope of, of somebody is, is, you know, some judge or some jury happens to be fair every now and then. Right. But that's not how the system works as a whole. So. Right. Anyway, yeah, I think we're uh, we're going on and on, but that that's kind of the main theme that I took from the movie. Are there any others that you'd want to talk about? Well, the other theme that that I thought about quite a bit after the movie was this idea of um, diversity and specifically sort of ideological diversity, right? Mm-hmm. As a both source of strength and a source of weakness, right? So you've got this group, like, you know, literally in this uh, situation, we've got this Chicago 7 group, and they are, um, as sort of illustrated really powerfully by the opening bit of the movie where uh, Sorkin intercuts their dialogue with Mm -hmm. each other, (laughs) right? Like, they will all, like, the way that that scene is constructed is one of the factions of the sort of the left of the democratic party will set up a question and then uh, he will cut to one of the other factions and they will answer the question like opposite the way that the prior speaker would have. Right. Right. So like as the, the example I can think of is like when Dellinger, who's like this pacifist 
He's like, <laughs> you know, remember, we always use not like what is the way that we respond when like the police threaten us with violence or whatever, like and his son's about to answer. And then Bobby see they cut to Bobby seal and mm-hmm. he's like, you know, we'll, we'll bust a cap. Right. <laughs> and it's like, right. Um, and I think that scene is very funny and very well done and very sort of like energetic and, and exciting to watch. But it also does a great job of like emphasizing the fact that like, these are people who on are ostensibly on the same side of things, right. right. But they all disagree with each other on how Tactics. to like go yeah. about getting something done. Right. Yep. Um, and that like, just they bang, they bounce off each other and like get in each other's way over and over and over throughout the movie, right? And cannot agree. Like they are on the same side of the issue and cannot agree on how to behave, right? Right. right. Um, and that to me was like um, something that you know struck me as being one of the key sort of fascinations of the film is like how do these people who are ostensibly allies like how are they so unable to like get their act together so that they can like be more effective together than apart? Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that's like exactly what, um, you know, the ending of the movie is attempting to reconcile. Right. Um, but I think it's sort of like the truth of the matter is like this diversity is part as like part and parcel with being sort of on the left or progressive side of the equation. It's like, you just have to accept that diversity of thought is going to be both your, your strength and your weakness. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You say, um, strength and weakness. I, I know we're trying to avoid spoilers still, but do you have, can you sort of vaguely mention any examples of in the movie where it's actually presented as a strength? that they have kind of differing perspectives? Because it seems like it's the example you, you gave is where it's a weakness. Well, your coalition is big. Okay, gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Like, you can that's, that's welcome... The, 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 the protests themselves are as huge as they are because they've all come together from all these different... Right. Okay, gotcha. Like, you've got a lot of people who are on paper your allies, mm-hmm. right? And, you're, and you have a big tent because you can accommodate... You're flexible enough to accommodate lots of different points of view. But the problem is you've got so many different points of view. Yeah. And, yeah. and so then when it comes to, like, actually executing, it becomes much more difficult. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you, you, you mentioned that being part and parcel of being on the left. I was just reading... I think it was literally today or it might have been yesterday. Um, you know the website 538? It's like yeah. a statistics sort of... Um, predictive polling and that kind of thing website mm-hmm. they um i think i just randomly clicked on a headline that was about um the the issues on which democrats and republicans internally have the most disagreement mm-hmm. and it was just it was oh, just an interesting list you know sort of like you 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 know you polled democrats about all of these topics that you know the democratic party as a as a as an organization will have like a position on this topic. Mm -hmm. Right. But you ask people who call themselves Democrats, they're actually pretty divided on this topic. Right. And it was just an interesting list of things. And and it it seems not unique to, it certainly doesn't seem unique to the left. It's like, there's, there was a bunch of things that Republicans disagree about too. I just found it very interesting. But anyway, I don't know if I had a point there other than to just, I think I'm just recommending that, that you check that out. out Cause it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that's the, I mean, 
we live in a country of 300 million people and mm-hmm. two main political parties. Right, <laughs> right. right. So it's like of that 300 million people, we can sort of distill it down to like these two basic groups of beliefs. It's like you and I have talked about this before. I'm sure many people have talked about this in, right. you know, private conversations. It's it's a little absurd. Like yeah. It's very artificial the idea that that all the people who call themselves Democrats or who call themselves Republicans agree across the board on a list of, you know, probably a hundred different issues. It's like they don't, you know, everybody's different. There's a, there's a huge diversity within each group. If you're going to cut, if you're going to slice the country in half, you cannot possibly expect homogeneity ideologically in each half. It's going to be very, 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 you know, spread out. Well, that's um, actually one of the things that I quite enjoyed about the movie was I feel like the character of Bobby Seale in mm-hmm, this movie mm-hmm. is like aggressively bucking against the exact sort of like category categorization that you're describing, mm-hmm. right? Like, because uh, I am not with this I group am not at all. With them, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. Judge Hoffman is like, you know, like I know, I know who all of you are, right? Right? right. You are all this. And uh, Bobby Seale, like, insistently, unrelentingly, is like, they do not represent me. I am yeah. not with them. Yeah. Right? That, like, I have a different, like, like very practically, he means, he means very practically, right? Like, I literally am not part of this yeah, group. Yeah, what you're accusing this group of, I can't be re- relevant because I'm, right. I don't even know these people. Right? Right. Basically. Yes. But I think it's it's, but he also means ideologically more largely like we have very different beliefs on just what like our like our political beliefs are not the same. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They might overlap in certain ways, but like but we are not similar enough for me to consider them to be like on the same team as me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the and the like the mainstream like press and the legal system sort of just like so desperately wants him to be on this side, Mm -hmm. this particular faction. Yeah. You know what? I I don't know why my mind just went to this scene, but um, something it reminds me of, and I think it's not because it's similar, but actually because it's more like the opposite is there's a scene that I've always remembered from the Spike Lee film, do the right thing where um, a Korean store owner is like mm-hmm. claiming that he's black. And, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's, but, but, but his, he's saying like, he's saying like, I'm, I'm like in the same group as you right now. Right. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're together was basically right. what he's saying in that moment. Like we're both being discriminated against for the same reason. Right. Like there's no reason for, you know, like he's like, I'm just like you, you're just like me. Right. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're together. And, um, and I think that sort of contrasted with Bobby Seals, like, I do not know these people. I am not with them. We're not on the same team. Right. You know, th- there's sort of two ends of the spectrum of just of the same phenomenon, which is when you're, you know, you're in a group where you're, let's say, just to put it broadly, like underprivileged, right? Or like biased right. again, you're, you're the, you're on the, the receiving end of, of discrimination, Right then inevitably like there's multiple groups that fit that description. And sometimes you sort of, 
want to band together and sometimes you want to distance yourself and it just kind of depends like you're very vulnerable in that state right yeah um and so often it's like if the spotlight is not on you you'll almost want to just you know, emphasize the differences between you and whoever is being persecuted. Yep. Because you sort of can't afford to be right to be grouped with them. And then other times when you're, when you're the one being persecuted, you sort of want to remind the others, you know, who are, who right. are also in their positions of vulnerability. Like, you know, we're all in this together, right? Like, come yeah. on, like they're, 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 they're targeting me, but they could just as easily be targeting you. So yeah, I think they're kind of like two sides of that same coin, that scene in um, Do the Right Thing versus Bobby Seale in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we've got kind of two main themes, right? The sort of, I mean, the the I would, to oversimplify the one I was was naming, it would just be like power corrupts, right? Power, yeah. power is corrupt. <laughs> power yeah. uses whatever it can to preserve to preserve the power it has. Um, yeah. and then also the, the, the one you called out of diversity of viewpoints. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, and on top of all that, it's, it's, you know, it's a historical, it's a historical event. So obviously the, the movie's trying to educate us while making a point about normally as with any, I find almost any movie that exists, that's like about a historical event. It's also trying to tell us something about, you know, this is still relevant today. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, that both of those points are relevant today for sure. They'll probably be relevant for a very long time, probably forever actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think unless you have any other themes you wanted to talk about, we can move on to best parts of the movie, which is when we start spoiling the movie. Uh, yeah, let, let's, let's move on. Let's keep going. All right, let's do it. All right, folks, we're going to spoil the movie now. That's the that's the warning bell. So mm-hmm. that the tells submarine you to- on which we record this podcast is now because these secret secrets that we're about to start talking about are so sensitive, we begin to submerge the submarine underwater so that mm-hmm. no one can hear us but us and right. the astronaut to whom we will beam this. That's it. All right. So let's do we're doing best parts of the movie. So why don't you go first, Adam? Do you have a do you have a favorite scene or something that springs to mind when we're talking about best parts of the movie? John Dillinger was a criminal. A Derringer is a gun. <laughs> His name is David Dellinger, and the judge and I are not related. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I don't know about that exact dialogue, but apparently that was true. Did you know? Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I loved it. I was like laughing hysterically as it was like, happening. Well, what was yeah? What was interesting? Um, it was like I guess it was like one of the first you know, just moments in what turned out to be a many weeks long trial of just the judge kind of like clearly showing his bias, right? Because he basically mispronounces Dellinger's name by saying a criminal's name. It's like, it's like planting in people's heads, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and call it like explicitly stating that he's not related to, to, uh, to Hoffman. And it, and it's like, who would have thought that? 
You right. <laughs> right. Like in what world yeah. does like a relative of the defendant preside over this trial? Right. You know? yeah. So um, the legal so, system is so broken and we're so out of judges that yeah. we had to use his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently, bo- like I said, I don't think that 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 dialogue is taken from reality, but both of those things happened. The judge pointed out that they were not related and he mispronounced uh, it's Dellinger, right? Is it the actual Dellinger? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He mispronounced Dellinger as Dillinger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyway, uh, yeah, that was a great scene. Um, I think, you know, this segment, this like best parts of the movie, I feel like lately I've struggled with because whenever we've talked about a movie that I really liked, which is true of this movie. I've sort of just felt like, oh, well, I liked like the whole thing, you know, <laughs> start to finish. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, um, and I'm, I'm stealing this from another, I, I listened to another um, podcast about this movie, um, mm-hmm. the slash film cast. I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast, but one of the, one of the hosts of that show made this point about Aaron Sorkin. He said like Aaron Sorkin writes action scenes but mm-hmm. with dialogue, you know, right, and he has sure, these yeah. like big climactic, like this is the big fight, you know, this is the right. big brawl, but it's just, it's just dialogue, you know? Right. And, sure. um, yep. and when he was saying that, I knew exactly which scene he was talking about in this movie. I feel like the, the big confrontation between Hayden and Hoffman to me was, yeah. was, was a great sort of scene. You know, you sort of, he's planted seeds throughout, you know, leading up to that confrontation of these two guys do not see eye to eye. And I mean, I think yeah. this is exactly what you're talking about with the diversity, the uh, ideological diversity, right? Like they're both anti-war. They're both right. against the war. Right. But Hayden is like, he really looks down on Hoffman. He thinks, you know, this guy is really just an attention seeking, you know, like buffoon. Yep. He's kind of giving us a bad name because he's drawing so much attention to himself. He's kind of a diva, you know, um, Meanwhile, Hoffman's like, this guy is way too, um, like the way Hoffman views Hayden is that he's kind of a slave to the, you know, he, he still believes in the rules, like in the law, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about earlier. Like he's, he's imprisoned by thinking that there are, you know, consistent fair laws and we can just, we can just work within the system without realizing the system is fundamentally unfair. And, um, so, so like I said, they sort of had planted seeds of these two guys, even though they're fear, you know, ostensibly on the same side, they're, they're not really friends. And I think the, the, this, this kind of blow up happens. Um, I don't remember if it's, it, it, it's after some, some, you know, development where the trial's really not going that that well for them. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Which yeah. is true throughout the movie, but I think it was after some particular setback where they're all kind of just like huddled together and, and they're not in the best mood and it just kind of comes out, you know, Hoffman's like, why don't you like me? And Hayden's Mm -hmm. like, why don't I like you? Well, I'll tell you why I don't like, why I don't like you. Right. And, and they, and I think this, 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 this battle, you know, this, this action scene (laughs) to steal from the slash film cast, um, like it really does a great job for me doing that thing that I was saying was, was so effective for this movie where Sorkin is able to really give eloquence to both positions on this, you know, like you understand why Hayden is frustrated with Hoffman. You also understand why Hoffman 
is the way he is. And, 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 and sort of, I would say like Hayden looks down on Hoffman. Hoffman doesn't look down on Hayden, but he, but he, you know, he, he feels that Hayden is, is wrong. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think by the end, even of that, even of that, um, altercation, if you can call it that, it never, it never becomes physical. It's always, it's only spoken word, but by the end of it, you feel that, you know, you understand where both characters are coming from. And also they seem to have learned a little bit about each other, you know? Right. Um, so I, I thought that was a really great scene. It really, I mean, yeah. I, I expect no, no less, right. It's like, it's almost like when Sorkin is writing a film, it's almost like there are these, there are these, um, scenes that are, you know, the, 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 the centerpiece um, mm-hmm. the, it, it's like, you know, in a normal film, you'd call them set pieces. Right. But it's right. like, it's not really a set piece in the sense that it's not like, it's not like they got like it's a just car two guys crash talking and in stuff. A room. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a dialogue, but it's, it sort of is in that position that you would normally think of a set piece as being right. Like, like I picture the actors sort of, um, that was a scene that they probably had a lot of, did a lot of preparation for, you know, right. and we're sort of like really looking forward to, it was like, this is my, this is the big one, you know, right. um, um, between, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and, um, what's the actor who played Thomas Hayden's name? I'm blanking. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. 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 Um, Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen. Like I, I just picture them both sort of like pacing back and forth in their trailers, you know, right. working on this scene. Uh, uh, who, who knows if that's true or not, but that was a big right. one. And I think, and I think it was really well done. Yeah. Um, another one that, that I would name is all, it's kind of uncomfortable to even call a favorite scene. Cause it's not right. like I felt good about it, but I thought it was really effective was just the, um, the scene where Bobby seal is yeah. gagged. Yeah. Uh, which apparently really, and, and, and it, I feel conflicted calling it one of my favorite scenes or one of the most effective scenes because apparently the movie actually really, really under, sells what actually happened because i I read about that too it was days it was three days it's 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 funny because honestly like that is so horrifying to to contemplate and it makes you realize sort of the the complicity of everybody in that courtroom right like to the treatment of another human being that way you know what i honestly think i think if the movie accurately presented what happened it would be hard to find any of the characters sympathetic like yeah even the chicago seven because you're like right. how could you all sit there the whole time an entire right. day and he's and he's gagged you know like i think it was just like a you know, in, in, in the same vein, you know, you learn weird things like uh, as you get older, like, Oh, Gandhi was racist. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. You know, like Abraham Lincoln was actually racist and you right. just like learn these things and you're like, Oh geez, you know, and you just have to tell yourself, well, these people, they did a lot of good. It was just such a different time that, right. That to be a good person in that environment, Mm-hmm. you still would be kind of a bad person by modern standards, you know? Right. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So with the Chicago seven, it's like, I think they just, the, it, it was, I think, I, I think it probably was like a necessary evil that Sorkin right. saw that 
I have to make somebody, and it, it was an interesting choice to make it the actual, um, the prosecutor, right, to um, to be the one to actually say something, but to pretty much say, like, I can't have Bobby Seale, I, I basically, I can't present the truth. You know, I can't present what right. really happened here because I'll lose lose the whole audience. Like the message of the movie is, right. is, is, is sort of compromised there. But, um, but yeah, learning that that's what, how it actually went down. I mean, I, I just, I just have a hard time picturing that as, as something you could possibly get over. It's like, this is a person being treated like they're not a human. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it is shocking. I'm sure the people that were in there at the time found it shocking, but sadly, you know, humans have a really amazing ability to just kind of adapt and become accustomed to something. And right. It's, it sounds like from what I've read, that's what happened is, is, yeah. is everybody was probably shocked, but then they were like, well, this is apparently happening. He's the judge, you right? Know? Like yeah. he's in charge. Yeah. Um, People are extremely deferential to authority, and I and I do feel like there is a um, the way that Judge Hoffman runs that courtroom, at least as portrayed in the film, and certainly I would think this probably had to be somewhat true in reality as well, based on sort of the the record and based on some of the facts that we just reviewed. Like, I think there's an element of uh, like this sort of abusive. Uh, relationship that the judge has with the folk with the folks in this trial mm-hmm. that um I think sort of is like reality distorting right where it's almost like you, the world like you forget that the world can be fair right and you forget that the world can be like uh where rule of law applies yeah and you're and you eventually are so sort of like defeated by the sort of um uh, sort of dictatorial, like Kafka esque, like environment that you're in, you almost like forget and or, and or give up on the yeah, idea yeah. that like justice is possible, right? No, that's and a really so, good point. Yeah, and so in that regard, like I'm not like again, I totally agree with you. Like I'm not surprised that uh, the folks in that courtroom like could somehow rationalize like accepting the treatment of Bobby seal mm-hmm. as like, well, that's just the way it is. Or like, you know, well, you know, we live in hell now and this is what the way it, it is here. Right. But it's like, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like at the same time, that would have been a really hard point for the movie to make, uh, and still feel like our heroes were our heroes. Yeah. And so I think like they had to just, show how horrible judge Hoffman was being in that circumstance. And then like figure out a way to get out of that situation. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I just recently watched, um, David Letterman. I don't know if you've ever watched his new show. My next guest needs no introduction. I haven't watched it. Um, so, well, the premise of it is it's basically just hour long interviews or, you know, sometimes even over an hour. Um, but his latest season, he, he interviewed Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. and um, who I really like as a comedian, and he brings up George Floyd, you mm-hmm. know, and I think, um, you know, Letterman asks him about, you know, what about these cops who just kind of stood there 
and washed? Mm-hmm. Or what about all these, you know, there were a lot of people like, w- mm-hmm. what do you think of all these people? And, um, and Chappelle, you know, s- somewhat to my surprise, although I wasn't shocked to hear him say this, he, he was like, I'd never judge. Um, I'm not going to cast a value judgment on those people because he just said, he said, you know, like, I would like to think I would do something, you know, if I was there, but I've mm-hmm. never, I, I just have not seen a person do that to another mm-hmm. person. Like, I, I don't know what that's like. And um, so I think to your point uh, about, you know, being especially, you know, I think it was I don't remember how many days in it was. It was probably like, you know, a month into the trial or something to have been sort of beaten down by this Mm -hmm. clearly biased judge where the participants in the trial have probably at this point learned every time I try to stand up for something that is right. I get slapped with, uh, you know, contempt of court or, Mm -hmm. or there's some other terrible consequence for me doing that. I'm just, I've just learned to not even try to fight it. You know, the characters literally start making a recurring joke about it. Right. Where it's like, where, um, where the lawyer, a constellar is like, uh, objection. And then they all in chorus say Mm -hmm. overruled because they know that that's what judge Hoffman is going to say. Right. Like, yep. And so, um, yeah, totally. They've, they've absolutely been conditioned to believe that that's sort of like the normal state. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. I think it's sort of easy for me to say, like, if a man were bound and gagged in a courtroom, no sort of human with a heart, you know, mm-hmm. could, could possibly sit by and watch that. But it's like, of course they could. You know, humans have sat by right. and watched far worse than that. As, as terrible as that is to say, right? Yep. Um, they, yeah. We, we, uh, humans' ability to sit by and watch things that are mm-hmm. absolutely inhu- inhuman um, ha- is very well documented. So yep. um, I guess and that's fair. I think fair. the movie uh, actually does like an elegant little sort of, um, sort of coda on that where... Tom Hayden, so they all sort of like after Bobby Steele gets bound and gagged, uh, Rennie Davis circulates a note mm-hmm. to the remaining defendants, and it's like, don't stand for Judge Hoffman. Yep. Right? And then uh, later Hoffman enters the courtroom, and most of them choose not to stand. Hayden stands up, and it's sort of an ambiguous moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh but everybody sort of glares at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because because when he was passed the note, I remember he even like nodded like, of course, of course, like right, we're all yes. on the same page here. Right. And so later when they go to visit the office of Ramsey Clark and Hayden is there mm-hmm. and the housekeeper who's African-American literally calls him out and she's <laughs> yeah. like, why did you stand up? Right. In well, that moment. Well, she, 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 I, I love how she presents it. Cause he's just like, I heard you didn't, I, or she's like, I heard you're the only one who stood up. It's not even right. like, it's not even like in an accusatory tone, but it's like, obviously that's messed up, you know? Right. And then his answer right. is like the same thing that we've been talking about. He was like, it was a reflex. Yep. yep. Right. I'm conditioned to respect power in that way. Yeah. And so I didn't, I unthinkingly 
sort of basically respected something whole. Pavlovian, right? Like right. a dog. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, I do feel like the movie does sort of have a little gesture there toward that idea. It's like we're so conditioned to just behave a certain way in certain circumstances that it it takes a lot of sort of conscious, you know, like reprogramming to like yeah. undo so those sort of like uh, instinctual behaviors. Yeah, totally. It's not easy. It's not something you just snap your fingers and and all of your all of your Pavlovian uh, triggers are are eliminated mm-hmm. for sure. Um, okay, any other best parts of the movie? Any other particular scenes you'd like to talk about? There, you know, like with lots of Sorkin, it's not uh, entire scenes necessarily, but there are like moments or lines that really mm-hmm. like I remember. Um, and I think this is meant to be like a big line, but it really sort of struck me as quite important um, when. Abby Hoffman gets put on the stand and they Mm -hmm. don't show his entire sort of cross examination, but like at one point, um, I believe it's Schultz who starts saying like, were you preparing to, or like, did you come to Chicago with the intention of starting a riot or something Mm -hmm. like that? And Hoffman is, takes a long pause and Schultz is like, I'm a little bit, disturbed that you had to even pause this long Mm -hmm. right and Hoffman says like give me a minute I've never been on trial for my thoughts before yep right and it's like and that is both it's a little on the nose to to like an earlier point you were making but it's also like extremely troubling yeah yeah yeah. like like yeah because the question is were you hoping for this right or or did you want this? Right. And the implication, which I think Hoffman is very astute to point out is you're, you're implying that if I wanted something to happen, that, that right. would, that would make me guilty. Right. 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 And so like, and it cut and it fades to black at that moment. And we don't even see the rest of it, but it's sort of like it, the movies. I think it's chilling. Cause the movie's basically saying like, that's what this trial is about. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about being uh, trying to control how people think and feel um, in part. And it's like, um, you know, just just absolutely chilling to think like that's what could happen in an American courtroom. Right. Yeah. Um, Another moment that I uh, it's it's funny, like, I don't know, you've you you appear to have done some more research on this. Uh, like sort of just what actually happened in history than I have. So I actually am curious if you could sort of fill me in. There's a, there's a line that I um, loved and it was followed by a moment that I didn't, but I'm not sure (laughs) if I'm allowed to have one without the other. So um, basically when the judge throws out uh, Ramsey Clark's testimony and doesn't allow the jury to hear any of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And Dellinger just the he says the line, "You're a thug," mm, right? He just mm. s- says that to Hoffman, yeah. And he's like, "If we're guilty, then give us a trial, mm-hmm. right?" But this isn't even a trial, right. like, um. And and then uh, it was that was one of those moments where it's like, the legal system in America on paper is good, 
You know right. what I mean? Like right. it's a good system. It's it's like it fights for the rights of the accused. It like allows all information to be fairly shared among all the people, and and then a jury gets to fairly decide, mm-hmm. right? If they believe the the accused is guilty, and Dellinger's like, just let that system work, right? If right? we're guilty, yeah, then just like w- you know, right if your if your case is so good, right? Just yeah. let it happen, yeah. uh, and it just like it's. It's sort of this um, kind of very uh, indirect sort of like pine, like this sort of this little pra- this little sort of celebration of like what a good legal system is capable of and mm-hmm. sort of like just mourning what it ha- what has become of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then he hauls off and punches a security guard in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, which felt like. Oh, this is a little on the nose, like having the pacifist like past his wits end and yeah. punching somebody in the face. Yeah, I did. But, like, did that happen? N- not that I'm aware of. I, I didn't come okay. across I didn't come across um, any commentary about that specifically. I, I actually might have read something that that, that he didn't. That there isn't any evidence that he punched somebody. But but don't take my word on that. I don't, I'm I'm going off of pretty fuzzy memory. Yeah, I, I will say um, as far as the sentiment. Uh, something I did, something I did read is that uh, I don't recall if it was like Chicago lawyers or some or or you know all lawyers in Illinois or something. But there's there's like some survey um, uh, where uh, I want to say it was Chicago lawyers. There was like Trial a survey of, of of I think it was like sounded like it was like all the lawyers in Chicago. I don't know what what the participants in this survey were, but. Um, that basically like 80% of them viewed, considered that judge, Judge Hoffman in that trial to be like incompetent. Like, well, they, I, I don't even think it was just in that trial. Right. I think no, they no, viewed no. Him, That's what him I'm as saying. Person. That's what right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He is viewed as an incompetent judge. Like he is, he's not respected, you know, like, right. like history, the, the history books are kind of closed on this guy. Like he is viewed as yeah. he should not have been you know, a judge. And, um, but the other thing that was, I, I read, I I think he's passed away now, but, um, he, he has, he, when he was much older, apparently like asked about the trial, he really stuck to his guns and, and was like, Nope, I really believe that I like was fair and I'm Mm -hmm. proud of, and I'm proud of my work in Mm -hmm. in that trial. (laughs) And, and just, you know, I guess like looking at what what limited information I have and the fact that that he would sort of still as an older man, you know, sort of in the later years of his life think, no, I think that I did a great job there is just is just to me indicative of okay, the 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 bias here is very deep. You know, it's yeah. it's it's too deep for him to even uh reflect on, right? Which right. is which? Which means they they never had a chance, you know. Like right. like I don't know if Dellinger ever said those words, but if he had, he clearly would have been talking to to deaf ears, right? You know, the right. idea of if this is if this is really if we're really guilty, then just give us a fair trial. He's talking to a man who who fully believed he was giving them a fair trial, right? You know, and it, it it's almost like stunning that he's talking to a judge who frankly does not comprehend 
the idea of a fair trial. Like, it's amazing that he is a judge because, like, if he truly believes that the way he tried that particular trial was just, right, Mm -hmm. then he literally doesn't know what a, yeah. like a truly fair trial would involve. Well, right? you know, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I think, um, it, I think there's a, a degree of humility that's required to really be fair, because if you imagine, um, like t- imagine that you're a judge in a trial, mm-hmm. but imagine that, you know, for a fact that the defendant is guilty. Like, let's say you right. have you have special information, like mm-hmm. you s- you saw it with your own eyes or something like that. But everybody else doesn't right. know that you saw it with your own eyes. Just you know, and you ha- right? And you have to let it go. But you, through but you just have to appear to trial. be fair, right? Do you right. think in that in that situation you could actually be completely fair? It's like no, you couldn't. You know, I mean, I I'm skeptical that you could be because because you know that the person's guilty. So anytime right. that things are drifting in a way where you're like, this guy might get off free, but I know he's guilty. You're right. going to, whether you want to or not, whether you, whether you believe in this ideal of, you know, a fair trial or not, you're going to be like sort of manipulating things, you know? And, and of course this judge didn't know that these people were guilty, but in his mind he did. Right. Right. In I his said, mind, it's like these people are guilty. So I'm going to, you know, preside over this trial. We're going to keep it fair or whatever, but they're going to be found yeah. guilty, you know, <laughs> because I mean, that's I suppose, what they are. But like at the same time, there are some like egregious things in this trial. Right. Like getting jurors like booted from the trial. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like that are I so, actually don't know. Is, the, is did that really happen? I didn't actually. Well, check I, on I, that. I I don't know. I imagine so. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's such a big detail. Um, but uh, but I guess even but if we just take the world of the film, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you know, planting <laughs> a letter from the Black Panthers in order to get jurors kicked off a jury. Like you have to know that there is no world where like y- that is like. A by the book thing. That yeah, a judge I don't does, think I don't think the right? movie's very. The movie doesn't specifically say that was Hoffman who did that, though. Um, right. Perhaps I, I think in the. I mean, in the movie, it clearly is not legitimate. Like, it clearly was not the Black Panthers, and it was someone who has a vested interest in the trial going a certain way. Right. But I, I actually think the um, what's his name? Like Mark Rylance's character, the defense. Uh, attorney Consular, yeah yeah he, he he's accusing like the prosecution the of, justice department yeah that's right he, he so so it like it could be the judge it could be them you know it, it's not really clear who did yeah. that it, it just is obviously someone who wants them to be found guilty right yeah yeah um but yeah okay actually i know we've been talking about best parts of the movie a lot but there's actually one more that i want to mention because it yeah. really was now that I'm thinking of it, I, I can't believe I forgot it. I think it is my like favorite part of the movie is when they do go into um, the former attorney general's house. Yeah. And it's, and it's uh black and Michael, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Michael Keaton and they go in and it's like, Oh, why are these other guys from the justice department here? And he's like, oh, I wanted them to be here, you know? So mm-hmm. that it like, you know, so there couldn't be any appearance of like foul play or whatever. Mm-hmm. And 
And they're just like trying to, you know, Mark Rylance's character is like just trying to explain why they're here. And he kind of interrupts him and he's like, what took you so long? You know? Mm-hmm. And he's just clearly like, I'm ready to go. Like, put right. me in, coach. You know? Right. Like, I'm, I'm your star witness. Yeah. I'm going right. to go in there and I'm going to blow this whole thing up. <laughs> you know? I'm going to, I'm going to just demolish their case. <laughs> just like, like that. You know? Right. And I loved that. And I loved when he showed up and he's just like sitting there and he's like, ask me the right question. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. You know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then he asks him and of course he's like, yeah, I mean, we looked into it and we determined that the Chicago police force started the riots <laughs> and then it's like, a, you know, massive response and everything. I, lo- I loved that whole thing. And I mean, including the Kafkaesque conclusion, because it was almost like that's too convenient that, mm-hmm. that, that, that can't, that can't work out for the protagonists, you know? Right. right, right. Um, but I just loved the little, I feel like it was a great thing way for the movie to to sort of like reveal beyond any shadow of doubt you know right this is like a we sham. know the truth yeah right. this yeah, yeah, trial yeah. is a complete sham um although interestingly enough uh speaking of looking into things apparently that exact interrogation didn't really go that way like he mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't drop a bombshell like that um so so in a way it was, it was, uh, Sorkin, you know, sort of, mm-hmm. sort of probably of, of all the things that I, you know, I said he didn't really embellish in a way that totally changed the story of, of, of all the embellishments he did make that one might arguably be the most, the biggest, th- yeah, yeah. The, the most substantial because it's like that, that interrogation or interrogation is the wrong word. What's, what's the word? Cross examination. Yeah. That cross examination, um, really does make it just like objectively clear in the film, you know, that this is a political trial. They definitely Mm -hmm. are not guilty. Um, because the, because the former attorney general is just, you know, just pretty much says like we found, we, we determined that it was, it was the police that did it. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that that didn't actually happen like that, that precise, you know, revelation didn't actually take Mm place makes it, you know, a little convenient for the movie, but right. Nonetheless, although I wouldn't it was be thrilling for if, me. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, that justice department prior to Nixon's inauguration, like did come to that conclusion. And if you read like the report from that justice department, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it says. Yeah. It's like, possible. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't, I haven't looked into that or found out either way. So, so right. it could, it could be the sort of thing where Sorkin's just kind of like pieced things together. Yeah. It, um, it might, one hopes it's the lie that tells but, the truth. But I just found that whole sequence, you know, basically from the moment that they, they're just chatting, you know, like the, the group is chatting and they, and the, the one guy brings up like, you know, it'd be funny if this was, this whole thing is just like a, you know, it, it, it's really just like to get back at, at so-and-so like the, the at attorney, Ramsey Clark, at Ramsey yeah. Clark. It's all, it's all about, you know, getting Ramsey Clark. And then just like when the camera just like zooms in on the two defense attorneys, you know, and they are looking at each other and they're like, how did we not think of that? You know? Right. I, I just loved pretty much from that whole part all through his testimony. Also, yeah. I feel like that it was just like, it was just like perfect for Michael Keaton, you know, the performance. Yeah. Itself. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That sort of, that sort of just like aloof, you know, nonchalant sort of like, here's the bombshell you've been waiting for. No big right. deal to me, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, right. 
uh, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, that, that was probably my whole, my favorite sequence in the whole movie. Cause I just found it so like, I think I was like sitting there like laughing, you know, right. laughing at how perfect it was laughing at how, like how exactly, you know, equipped to, mm-hmm. it, it, it really is. I mean, in the end it ended up being kind of useless as we right. know, because the, the, the game wasn't fair. But it was just, it was like, if this game were fair, this is the mm-hmm. perfect weapon, you know? This is the way it ends. This is, the, right. this is, the, this is checkmate right now. Yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, the movie gives you that, that sort of narrow window of it being very thrilling before taking it away from you. But I still enjoyed the, the thrilling moment. Yeah, just, and as like a minor sort of little uh, sub-bullet of, of that sequence... Um, there's a point where Judge Hoffman is like, you know, Ramsey, uh, Ramsey Clark can't talk about his experience serving as the attorney general because of attorney client privilege. Mm-hmm. And Clark is like, the president isn't a client of the attorney general. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The like the attorney general is not the president's lawyer. Yep. Therefore, like, therefore, I'm happy to speak. Right. So go ahead. (laughs) Like ask me the question. Yeah. Right. Uh, And that was like one of those things where it's like he like he's like, I am the literally like the best lawyer in the country. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, arguably. Right. Like that's what that's what my position sort of is supposed to be. I was the most senior lawyer in this country. Yeah. Like I know the law better than you well yeah and there's there's even a moment where the judge is like i mean he's the attorney general (laughs) (laughs) right right. sort of like i can't i can't you know not respect him Um, right yeah that that was great and uh i mean yeah there was there was that line and and just i don't it's not really specifically a line but i think i just loved um that i feel like there were a number of times certainly when when you know, they first are asking him to, to testify where like character, other characters are saying, you know, like that's not legal. Like he can't Mm -hmm. do that. And he's just like, well, I'll do it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) right? he's sort of, he's sort of like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll do it. Right. (laughs) Like, well, and I think it's sort of like, um, there's an element of in like sort of the, like flipping the tables on sort of the kangaroo court nature of the entire thing where he's like, who's going to stop me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you, are you going to stop me? Yeah. Right. Like who's going to, who's going to press charges right. against me? Right. Right. Like, and if they do, I am willing to like take that on. Yeah. Right. So just ask me the question. I'll just answer it right now. Right. Yeah. Like we're here. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, that was a really sort of like, but that's one of those moments where, because it's going so well and because it's like this moment where like truth justice and the American way, like appears to be gaining the upper hand. It's like in this courtroom, like that doesn't happen. And so like when, and so then of course, like it's funny because I was watching it with, with Audrey, my wife and you know, she was like fist lofted in the air mm-hmm. when Clark sort of like gives his evaluation that the Chicago PD had started the riot. And I'm sort of sitting there, arms crossed. I'm like, there's no way this works. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and lo and behold. Right. It doesn't work. 
And, uh, and I think it was, it's so deflating. Cause I think those of us, you know, we want to believe that like, um, you know, I mean, we've even, we've been conditioned by courtroom films, right. Mm-hmm. That like the truth comes out, the bad guy confesses, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we, we haven't talked about, uh, like a few good men yet, which is sort of like an interesting juxtaposition to this film another sorkin movie that's right right yeah um where just like the good guy gets the bad guy to just admit the bad thing that he did mm-hmm. right uh and that's the end right that's the end of the trial right and this is like um the good guy like gets like on the record or almost on the record evidence of malfeasance by the bad guys right and it's like doesn't matter yeah that's that that's not going to count in the record yeah we're just going to dump that in the trash oh man well like i said that that particular exchange didn't actually happen so i guess i can't get that upset about it (laughs) um but anyway why don't we move on to fix the movie so um i'll just get the ending out of the way because it's the easiest one for me i just found it to be absurd i mean yeah um not not actually what happened. I actually liked that that that, that it had a Thomas Hayden um, start reading the names of you know all of the soldiers who had died in the war. Yeah, I mean I found that pretty poignant, like poignant. Um, mm-hmm. And you know I even like the lead up to it of like you know the judge saying yeah. you must be brief and remorseful <laughs> and Hayden's like and respectful. Yeah, 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 right, right. And Hayden's like yeah, 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 no problem. I'll be all those things. So right. I'm about to read 5,000 names. <laughs> um, right. You know, it, it's, it's a very satisfying sort of F you to the, mm-hmm. to this clearly corrupt establishment. But then it's really just, it's just the, the dressings on top of that, that follow, you know, the slow yeah. clap, the people standing up, the kid standing the up and the, yeah. and the judge trying to be like, order, there will be order in this court. Right. Right. And everybody like cheering and the music swelling. I'm like, this is just, it, it this just, is it just, just some Hollywood stuff. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like a Hallmark movie kind of thing, you know? Um, which is fine. I, it's not like it ruined the movie for me, but that is definitely so. I, it, in terms of fixing the movie, I would definitely just wipe out most of that. I, I, I actually think, uh, interestingly enough, from reading about it, um, so that didn't happen. What actually did happen uh, earlier in the trial was that was that Dellinger started reading the names, but apparently he was stopped and. Mm-hmm. You know, so he he didn't come anywhere close to reading, you know, 5,000 names. He read probably like a dozen or something and then and then was like restrained and forced right. to sit down. Um, so I, I, I would I would totally have been supportive of something like that happening, but just probably something a little more realistic where maybe, right. you know, the, the, the movie could have shown like the people in the courtroom being pretty stirred by it. And then it could have shown like people, you know, I don't know, outside the courtroom or people watching on TV. I don't know if it was televised, probably wasn't. Um, but it could have shown like something, something about people being inspired by that without just that really, really over the top, you know, slow ca- clap sequence. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it, that's the thing that felt like tonally wrong. Cause I felt like the movie was sort of a, 
throughout and including the Ramsey Clark sequence that we just described, like the movie was quite in sort of focused, I think continually on this idea of like, this is an unjust trial Mm -hmm. and this like is not going to end well for our heroes. Right. Because of the fact that of the, it's sort of Kafka esque nature. Mm -hmm. And so for it to end with like a, all the trappings of sort of a ha- Hollywood happy ending, right? right? It's sort of like, this is wrong. This yeah. is the wrong yeah. way to do this. Um, and frankly, like what I would have liked to have seen is something like, because what ended up happening in reality as the, the sort of text at the end of the movie uh, indicates is like, they were found guilty. They were sentenced to five years in federal prison. Yep. And the way that they got out of that was through appeal, mm-hmm. right? And the reason they got out of it through the appeal, in part, was because the Justice Department, when they were like reviewing the appeal, decided not to re-prosecute the right. case. Right. So it's like some sane person later mm-hmm. looked at like the details of the case and like, I don't want to prosecute this. <laughs> Right, like this is nonsense. This is one of the right? this is one of those Hoffman cases. <laughs> Forget and it's it. Like, and it's like that's actually the most interesting part is like when you stepped out of sort of the funhouse mirror courtroom that mm-hmm. is this situation, and another sane person like looked at this yeah, thing or group of people, was, right? Yeah. Was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's one person or a whole you know quorum of people, it's sort of like they're like, oh, this is this is not even worth doing. Right. There's right? no like, there's no case here. Yeah. And so it's like I would have actually liked to have seen sort of like both like that is sort of the thing. That's like the legal system working. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? At the end of this. Um, and that would have I don't know. I, I think there is a way that you could have still made like show dramatize that part of it, like dramatize them feeling awful getting sentenced to five years in prison, right? Show them game planning, like, okay, we're going to appeal it. Show the, show it like getting in front of the Justice Department a second time, right? And then being like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible idea, right? Like, because that's, like, because especially if the reading of the names thing didn't happen, it's like the only way that we can feel good about this, if we're meant to feel good at all, is that, like, the justice system ends up working, right? Like the appeal system is like, but it's like, I think that'd um, be kind of a weird message to give though. You know? Well, I think the, like, it's like the system is really messed up, but eventually it does work. So trust the system. Right. Right. Well, I think what I would, what I would rather have seen is almost something like what you described with Dellinger. It's like, show somebody try to read those names and show them not be able to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, cause that's kind of the thing with this movie. It's like, it's something that I didn't bring up and I was like, let's just move on. But like, when we were talking about theme, like themes of the film, I realized like one of the big themes is just protest, mm-hmm. right? It's this idea of like, what is protest? What is it for? Right. right? right. How do you do it effectively? Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that like the movie is sort of calling out is like, and I think that Hayden specifically doesn't like about Hoffman is like, Hey, like your version of protest where all you do is like mock the man, mm-hmm. right? Like doesn't get you anywhere, right? Like you get a moral victory in the short term, 
But in the long term, like we lose elections and like all the policies you care about get flushed down the toilet because you don't have political power. Right. And it's sort of like, I think in some ways it would have been very interesting for the movie to end with like, we're going to try to do a symbolic protest, get shut down and get sentenced to five years in prison. You know what I mean? Like that would have actually been more in keeping with, I feel like what the movie is kind of doing throughout. Yeah. But I, I, I guess for me, um, if I, if I think about, you know, what is the movie trying to say? One of my, one of the fundamental questions I think is, did these people, did the Chicago seven, did they do something good? Did they make an impact or not? Right. And so like, I think the way the movie ends with him reading names, it sort of doesn't answer that question, you know, like, yeah, it's like, okay, he read some names and it was, it was really defiant and inspirational, but like, did they make a difference? I, I actually am not sure. So I think for me, my, my sort of alternate suggestion, which is not necessarily, um, I, I think it's compatible with yours. I don't think they're mutually, mutually exclusive, but for me, it's like rather than show a courtroom full of people slow clapping to to a defendant mm-hmm. reading a bunch of names right before being sentenced to five years in prison, mm-hmm. like did they inspire people? You know, did did mm-hmm. what happened in that five years? Did did people yeah. respond to this trial? Did it cause? Did they pass the baton and other people were able to actually, you know? be more effective and, and, and bring about change in the, in their own ways, you know, th- that to me would have been the way to sort of deliver on an inspirational ending. If this, if this Chicago seven actually did something worthwhile, mm-hmm. because otherwise it's like, well, they just failed, you know, they lost. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's great that five years later they were freed because the, you know, because the, the appeal, um, the prosecutors chose not to prosecute uh, or the government chose not to prosecute. But um, that's not really, that's not really like a good outcome. (laughs) You know, it's like these people who tried to do something good failed and only went away for five years, but that's not, that's not good. That's just not that bad. (laughs) You know? Well, wait, Um, do you act like, this is where I'm just like woefully ignorant of the legal system. If your trial, if your verdict is being appealed, I feel like you don't go to prison yet, right? Like, no, they, I think I think they did go to prison. Maybe I'm wrong. I actually I have to check on that. I th- yeah, this is where we're just gonna not well, know. Be, well, I don't I don't know if they went to prison for five years, but I mean, w- they were certainly you, sentenced. These yeah. things take time, right? Like when you appeal, right. it's not like okay, well then tomorrow we'll have the trial again. You know, it's like right. you appeal and then some period of time passes and then you know. Maybe there's another trial, but I think in the meantime, the outcome of the original trial holds. So I, I thought they all went to prison. I, I don't know if yeah. that's, I'd have to double check that. But I mean, regardless, you get my point, right? I, I think yeah, it doesn't yeah. actually change the point, which is like, if they got declared, if they were found guilty, and then later they were sort of recused of that, um, right. that's not really a good outcome. That's just a not terrible outcome. <laughs> Right. Like yes, I, w- like, I would want for the movie to it's not show the least just. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it seems like it seems like the thing that is missing is showing the sort of impact, the, the ripple effects that they had. Right. 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 So, uh, you know, 
And there's ways to depict that in movies. I'm pretty sure I've seen movies that have done that before. Um, so I think that is probably a missed opportunity. Like, well, like, so as an example, like Abby Hoffman, you know, eventually kills himself. Right. 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 And I did a little bit of research into that. Like, apparently he was, I mean, he had, I think, um, you know, mental illness as well, but like one of sort of the ostensible reasons that he was so glum was, uh, that he saw like in the 1980s, like sort of like Reaganomics take hold of America Mm. and like the youth just like going with it. Right. Right. And was just sort of so, um, you know, sort of defeated and disgusted that yeah. like the youth of that generation like didn't have any problem with the way the con- the direction of the country and was all and I think was sort of concluding like, yeah, the sixties didn't work. Right. Right. Like our protesting and our sort of de- declarations on the way the world could be like didn't didn't, didn't take didn't hold. Move the needle. Yeah. And so in some ways I feel like the trial of the Chicago seven, like the actual trial and like the resulting aftermath to your point, like all point to like a sort of very grim outlook for like the future of the country. And so I think to your point, like either a, if you're going to claim that this is a happy ending, you need to show that this worked. Right. But I honestly don't think, I think all the evidence in the movie is like, this isn't a happy ending. Well, so, well it's, it's, it seems worth mentioning that of the, of the, you know, closing text, you know, cards that occur in the final frames of the movie, are there even, I, I might not remember it, but are there even any, um, bits are there any comments about like the actual war i don't feel no. like there are it, there's no there's it's just nothing about the individual says, people there's nothing that talks about the war ending you know right like which was the whole thing they were ostensibly fighting for is to yeah end this the war, en- war yeah the war ended when it became politically unpopular right like i mean to be fair uh, what they were trying to do was make it politically unpopular that's true that's right that's fair um but uh yeah i think i mean that 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 sort of that seems like again a missed opportunity like these people are trying to end a war and in the end like the movie ends with a bunch of people clapping because the guy's reading names and then mm-hmm. you give some text that indicates what happens to all these people. But yeah. like, what about the war <laughs> that they were trying right. to like, end? Literally the reason <laughs> that like they're trying to reemphasize like the whole reason we yeah. did this was about the war. Yeah. Right. And then the, the movie not acknowledging that is does seem like a bit of a miss. Yeah, it, it seems like a bit of a miss. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, um, it could be that the movie is giving the audience more credit than I specifically deserved because it might just assume you know more history than I do. And right. so maybe the movie's like, I don't have to tell you about what happened with the war, right? But I'm like, actually, you kind of got to tell me. because I, <laughs> I mean, I know that it did end. I know that we're not still at that war, you know, but right. um, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just not super familiar. I'm not, I'm not very well um, I mean, I don't knowledgeable think, like, that. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. I mean, this movie takes place more than 50 years ago. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, like I think, 
Yeah, I, it's not like I, I all the think... viewers today are just gonna be like, "Oh yes, I know everything that happened in nineteen from nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy two Like that's not gonna be a thing that people like totally understand. So yeah, I do think the movie would have been improved by, really, frankly, either way, right? Like making mm-hmm. it clear that they did have a big impact and sort of drawing that um, line pretty clearly mm-hmm. for us, or sort of owning up to the fact that this trial actually didn't really have any effect. You know, Mm -hmm. um, the war was ended some years late, like the war was ended years later under a different administration, you know, (laughs) just, or or something like that. Like, uh, and that's all, that's what had to happen. Um, uh, so I feel like that would have been, that would have been a better way to end the movie. I think personally, I don't know. It really seems like Sorkin just wanted to, wanted to have a moment like that, right. whether it was deserved or not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, personally, I, I don't really have any gripes with the movie other than the ending, quite frankly. I'm curious if you do. Uh, I, I think the ending is probably my biggest gripe. Um, and I think it, it sort of emphasizes the point that I was making up top, which is like, so wait, what is this movie about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like I know what each individual scene is about. I feel like those scenes are really important and impactful. Uh, but by like the fact that the movie doesn't, isn't able to articulate its thesis at the end, like sort of causes me to question like, Oh, so what are we trying to say here? Mm. Right. And that was sort of the exact point that I was making up top, which is like, I feel like if this movie was directed by, you know, someone who's not Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> someone else. And I was going to start rattling Soderberg. off names and I, and I was going to even include like, you know, Rob Reiner, right? Like from <gasps> a few good men, even like, Rob Reiner, even Rob Reiner, who I unnecessarily give a hard time on this podcast, even though I frankly, like we're, I'm coming around to the fact that I love him. Um, uh, like I feel like all of those other directors would have said, would have like thought to themselves before they got to the end, like, not that these films are shot chronologically, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, yeah, the ending needs to, like, firmly state, restate the thesis, right? Yeah. And that, and in this one, I, I feel like it didn't quite, didn't quite get there. You know, it's funny. I feel like this ties um, together the points you were making before about Sorkin collaborating with, like, David Fincher and Danny Boyle. And I think our, our longstanding debate over whether Rob Reiner is a good director. Um, but <laughs> the, um, the, the word director, you know, like when I think yeah. about like, what does that actually mean? You know, every now and then you, you sort of think of a word and you think of it in a more direct way or a literal mm-hmm. way than you have previously. It's like right. director directs the movie, right? They provide the direction, right? Right. Um, direction, meaning like, what is this movie trying to do? Let's line the things up in this movie with what it's trying to do. Right. Right. Let's align it. Let's give it a, let's, let's put it all on this arrow towards the Mm -hmm. goal, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's like, that's what a director does, right? Like some directors are good with camera work and angles and stuff. Some are good with like the score. Some are good Mm -hmm. with editing. Like directors have all kinds of skills, but that's what a director is fundamentally responsible for. Right. And I think that that's what like, you know, 
that's what I think Rob Reiner is good at, you know, right, what a director right. is supposed to do. And I think, yeah, I think in the past you've maybe pooped on him a little bit for like, but he's not good at all these other things. It's like, yeah, but that's not really, those other things are not the fundamental. They're not, it's the, not core the primary thing, right? point. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I think, you know, like the, the example you gave before of Fincher sort of helping Sorkin understand his own, script better than he did right of, of right. the purpose of the scene right how does this serve the story how does this serve the narrative how does this get us closer to where we're trying to get to right i i think i think that's um that's the kind of like pr- fundamental role of the director so um so yeah i i i i, I sort of half agree with you that this movie flounders at that a little bit although i mean you know, as I said, I, I do think this movie is pretty clearly pro protesters. I think it's pretty clearly, you know, on the side of those who were against the war and on, on the side of those who were being treated unfairly by the system. Um, I've, I view it more as like it sort of fumbles it in the final act, um, really in the final scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I feel like the movie's pretty clear about you know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are leading up to the end do you disagree well maybe i mean it could be that i just think that because i naturally agreed with that side i think the movie is pro protest and i think the movie is pro the concept of this is a political trial and so we need to use this as an opportunity to sort of like persuade the American public to our point of view, mm-hmm. right? And I think they it's putting uh, quite an emphasis on that by having the final bit of protest come out of the mouth of Hayden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's basically him saying, I agree, Abby Hoffman, right. that you are right, right and that I need to take a political sort of protest stand here and like be willing to lose a lot in order to you know make a point mm-hmm. right and i think the movie very clearly is like celebrating that turn from hayden right um and i think the fact but like the fact that the war doesn't end the fact that like they get convicted and and put in prison or sentenced to 5 years in federal prison the fact that Hoffman ends up like killing himself in sorrow years later, right? The fact that Jerry Rubin becomes a stockbroker. The fact that <laughs> like like history honestly points to like Hayden being right. Mm. You know what I mean? History points to like protest in the in the context of this film, like it doesn't work as well as you want it to. And like if and ultimately, if you don't win elections, like it doesn't matter. Being being right is unimportant, right? Um, being but, morally right is unimportant. And okay. I feel like the movie just wants so badly to like sort of underscore the beauty and power of political protest that it like sort of contorts itself to arguing like it's totally the right move and it totally works. But I feel like that's what makes the movie feel false to me at the end is because it's like, 
I don't, I feel like we're taking a loss and like framing it like a win. And like, I don't know that that just makes me feel like the movie doesn't quite know what it's doing. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I understand. I, I, I'm a little confused by what you're saying though, because I, I feel like you're making it sound like Hayden is, you know, pro establishment, but I think, I mean, Hayden is also an organizer of the protests. He's clearly also pro protests. I think he's just among that group. He's the most sort of straight laced, you know, but right. Well, like I think Hayden's point being like, um, protest, like protest is a practical thing that's designed to achieve specific political ends in particular, like, and I think Hoffman seems more like, um, you know, like a Don Quixote figure, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like, hey, if we get run over by a tank tilting at windmills, like, you know, that's a win, right? And I think I, I don't think Hayden would agree necessarily. Are you familiar? This might be totally unfamiliar to you. Are you familiar with the um, there's there's a, a framework that's used in like RPG video games, role playing video games of your character's alignment and there's like good uh, lawful good versus chaotic good is that do you know what uh, i'm talking about yeah 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 um yeah it's like two it, there's like two axes i don't know what game introduced this model but it's something that a lot of gamers sort of it's like a shared vocabulary that a lot of gamers have and the the two axes are sort of lawful to chaotic and then good to evil so you've got you know you've got like chaotic evil versus lawful evil and mm-hmm. chaotic good versus lawful good. And then there's neutral, neutral, right? But mm-hmm. um, uh, I think of in this film, Hoffman is chaotic good, right? Yes. Um, and uh, and Hayden is lawful good. I think that's the yes. simplest way to put it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, on the same. Right. They're on the same side morally. They're on the side of good, mm-hmm. right? Um, but one believes in sort of working within a system. And the other has no faith in that system and says, you know, you got to sort of, you got to sort of burn it, you know, revolution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So it sounds like we sort of have different, uh, different impressions of, of frankly, how, how coherently the movie states its own position, makes its own case. Right. Right. Um, and I think you, I think you raised some good points about uh, the movie sort of struggling in that in that area. I, I, for me, I didn't, even though I get the points that you're making, I didn't feel while I was watching the movie or while I was thinking about the movie that it was really confused or muddled or 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 I didn't sense that it was struggling to make a point. Clearly, I thought it was making the point. Um, you know, sometimes that can be more a function of you, the, the observer sort of filling in the gaps yourself. Right. So that maybe that's what was happening when I watched it. But in any case, we talked about, we talked about themes. We talked about best parts of the movie, how to fix the movie. Um, I think it's probably about time to talk whether we should beam it up or not, unless you had any other points you wanted to cover. No, no, no. We've, we've been talking almost as long 
as the characters in the movie have been. That's talking. right. That's that's the main reason I'm I'm thinking <laughs> we should probably wrap it up now. So um, so what do you think? Should we beam this movie up? I would not. Okay. I would not beam it up. Uh, for for all the for all the like for all the reasons that I stated. Yep. Um, I think I'm with you. I think uh, I, I did. I said I loved the movie, and I would stand by that. I think I really did love it. Um, but something, something is keeping it. And I don't think it's just the ending. I don't think, right. I don't think I just like docked at a bunch of points for the, for the ending. I think it, it just never quite rises to that level to me of that sort of like transcendence of this movie is, you know, something you have to experience from this year. I think it was just a really great movie that I, that I really enjoyed, learned a lot from it. Um, found it very entertaining and I would recommend it to just about anybody, but yeah, I don't think it's quite at that level to beam up. So yeah, sounds like we're gonna refrain this time. Maybe around. next time, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, next time, Aaron Sorkin. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, well, there you have it. There you have it. The verdict. The unjust, <laughs> lawless verdict. That's right. Right. All right. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Bye. Bye.